What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Hunting Public Podcast, powered by Dakota Lithium. In this episode, we're going to be talking about how hunting pressure affects turkey behavior. This podcast was recorded live on our new podcast channel, so if you haven't checked that out yet, you can check the description of this podcast, and I have a link included down there that you can click on, and it'll take you to YouTube and that new channel that we've started. So now you can watch all the podcasts that we record in a video version as well. One of the things that we see a lot when hunting throughout the season is how much hunting pressure makes turkeys act a little bit differently and you have to adjust your hunting strategy as well. Generally speaking, early in the season turkeys are going to be much more responsive to calls, more willing to come long distances to calls, but as the season progresses that hunting pressure is going to affect them and that's a big part of this conversation is just how we switch up our strategy to keep up with what the turkeys are doing. But before we get into the episode, I wanted to give you guys another turkey hunting tip presented by our friends at Vortex. And that tip is going to play into what this podcast is ultimately about, is trying to find pressured turkeys that aren't talking very much. And in the podcast, we didn't really talk about it, but one of the things that we do a lot as the season progresses and the turkeys start to find those safe areas and their gobbling frequency goes down is we sneak through the woods listening for other sounds like scratching, drumming, hens yelping, and any other turkey sound that may help us get a lead on where a bird is. But something else that we do that's helped us find a ton of turkeys over the years is just glassing while we're listening for those sounds as well. You'll notice that we all carry binoculars with us every time we go in the field, whether we're deer or turkey hunting and they've just come in handy so many times there's been tons of times where the birds went quiet and we've been sneaking through the woods glassing ahead and even in the thick timber sometimes that red head really pops through the timber or you catch a fan moving as the turkey's spinning and strutting and because of that that's certainly allowed us to get set up in time or make a move on a turkey and get ahead of them when they're being quiet like that so i would definitely recommend having a good pair of binoculars with you while you're turkey hunting and if you want to save 10 percent off of your vortex order at eurooptic.com at checkout use the code thp10 and that'll help save you some money also wanted to remind you guys to check out go wild we've partnered with go wild to help combat mainstream social media censorship go wild is a free social community where not only are your photos not censored they're encouraged Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. And as you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Go Wild was built by hunters and anglers just like you, so you're going to feel right at home. While you're on Go Wild, if you want to save 10% on your orders, you can use the code THP. Thanks for tuning in. Let's talk pressured turkeys. The first thing we could talk about is just how turkeys kind of shift their patterns once pressure comes in because I feel like that's something that regardless of your season's opened or not, it's like you're going to be dealing with that here soon. Seems like we see that transition within like a couple of days, so. What are you guys seeing as far as that goes where you're at currently? Because how long has the season been open where you guys are right now? Uh, six days or so. Six. But we've been seeing the same trends everywhere we've went this year. Me and Nick were talking about that earlier a little bit. And before we get into that, just to give you guys some context, we're sitting in a McDonald's parking lot at the moment. And right next to this laptop of Ted's is propped up with a rain jacket and some batteries <laughs> and stuff. And then right next to it, we've got a laptop that's uploading Keith's hunt from this morning. It looks like a, that looks like a real life tripod right there, man. I don't know. Yeah. You don't even be able to tell from my angle. It's a professional really good spot. It's professional. Little, little Jimmy rigging and he's set up. There you ready go. To go. Anyway, though the turkeys in the hunting pressure thing, me and Nick were talking about this earlier, and just tell them, Nick, tell them about what what happened at the lease. So walk them through that real briefly yeah so if you saw the texas videos we killed two birds real quick uh like the first couple days of the season at uh <laughs> <What>? <laughs> i was looking at the comments Nick. keith looks like the angry janitor in the elementary school <laughs> <laughs> back there with his do-rag on, right on. <laughs> yeah i love it all right so we killed those birds real quick 
and I went back the following weekend, uh, day before Easter, just stopped in for an afternoon or a full day actually. And so somebody had hunted that property for five days, five of the first seven days. And the weather was exactly the same a week after the open, but the birds were completely different. You know, not gobbling deer as much, one. Uh, maybe respond to a call, but not coming to a call. Uh, just a, a couple things that I saw. And it's the same stuff we're seeing here on yep. on public. You know, not much gobbling after fly down. We talked about that a lot. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, how many people were hunting the lease other than us? Your dad uh, three or four four other people four other people yeah people always talk about the difference between public and private there really ain't no difference to a turkey it's the it's either hunting pressure or or not mm -hmm. it's like you either have people hunting you or you don't and when those things don't have people hunting them it doesn't matter where they are they're just way easier to deal with way easier that's why we always talk about how opening day so such a big deal it's like if you have done your scouting leading up to opening day and you got pins on birds and you can get right in there amongst them you can kill them effectively on opening day or even the first couple days of season sometimes but, i feel like it, there's a good the good a good example is when we we're in mississippi we got nick got on that bird right off the bat opening day and then the second day we got on another turkey right off the bat in the morning and killed both of them and then it was probably a week or so before you killed your turkey yeah and that one was back in a pretty deep hole and there was boot tracks through there and couldn't get him to gobble the first day we were in that spot but then that night we ended up roosting him and killing him the next morning yeah and we had to walk a mile and a half to get to him like in in a tough spot like he was in the very back corner where you could not hear him from any of the access points on public. I mean, you would have had to have made a long trip in there, and he was he was the only one that we heard in that particular area. But what we're seeing this week is reflective of a lot of that same stuff. Like, these turkeys, they're still turkeys around, but their behavior has changed dramatically. Like, there's, there's not as many turkeys gobbling as there was during, you know, the opening few days of season. The turkeys that are there are they're either still gobbling and just changing their behavior like going away from you every time you call or continuously moving to spots where they feel safe they're just not as readily committing to the call like the other day we walked in we walked in two and a half miles but we were seeing boot tracks down the road all the way to where we got on these turkeys and there was three or four turkeys gobbling but none of them came in one of them was alone too, and he was coming up closer to us gobbling, but he, he didn't come to us. He just kind of flanked around us in passing at 100 yards, and then we dealt with him the rest of the morning, and he was just consistently a pain in the butt. Like, I mean, he would gobble. As soon as you started calling, he'd gobble once or twice, and then he'd shut up, and then you'd give him 30 minutes, and he'd gobble again, and he'd switch locations again. Now, he could have just been following a hen, but he was doing a lot of moving around, and he was also up high. You know, a lot of times when they get hands in these hills, they'll take them down in those creek bottoms and stuff. And then the turkeys that do have hens, they're not saying much at all. They're just basically controlling their little flock by strutting and drumming and, I mean, just soft talk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if part of it, I feel like it's there's less gobblers on the landscape after that first couple of days. And then, so then they congregate more hens and then they don't have to gobble near as much. Yeah. But also with the hunting pressure, they're going to shut up a little bit more too. And they take them into these little holes where there's no people. It's like they feel that, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, but a lot of the animals that we hunt on heavily hunted properties, they just feel that pressure and they move around the landscape to avoid it like where keith and nick killed that turkey this morning was how far two miles two miles in in a hole like remote hole a literal hole yes way the heck back in there and they acted like they hadn't been hunted all year they were they gobbling their brains out hens going nuts you know, I mean, y'all see in the video, it's wild. 
Just look like uh, Keith. Look like the place that um, we shot the turkey in Tennessee. Yeah, just from I, the photos, it looks like a big. Exactly said that to Nick. Like as soon yeah. as we shot that thing, I was like, this, "That reminded me of the Tennessee hunt where we had to just get down in the hole with them." And like once you're in the flock with them, you're in their game, and you don't really have to worry about trying to locate them anymore. But you got to find where the hole is. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's something that I was going to mention about the the pressure thing. It's like they definitely act different, but once you find that spot, it gets harder and harder throughout the season, but you can still find pockets where they feel comfortable on heavily pressured area. It's just, you know, going to take effort and they're less likely to do the obvious thing that you were seeing them doing before the season or the first weekend or something. Well, I mean, we're seeing that even on the same within the same area. So mm -hmm. the turkeys they hunted this morning, we were guessing because you guys didn't see any boot tracks going back there, did you? No boot tracks going back there two miles in in the middle of of deep hole. These turkeys ain't been messed with, but the tur the other turkeys that we've been hunting, you guys were on one yesterday morning up by the parking lot, yeah. and then me and Ted have been hunting the same bird by camp. But the problem with him is he's got roads on either side of the creek drainage that he's in, like. Hunters from both sides of the drainage can hear him. But, I mean, we just stubborn, didn't want to leave a turkey to find a turkey, so we stayed with him, and he was a bear. Mm -hmm. We didn't kill him. Somebody else shot him this morning, pretty yeah. sure, way up the creek in a totally different spot. But I don't. that's what we've been seeing all week is these turkeys got in these pockets, and they, they're – if they're close to pressure or if there's boot tracks around or anything that a lot of them got hens and they are just in a little hole and they're not saying much at all. Mm -hmm. I mean that those birds the other day, we were on them for three hours straight mm -hmm. and the one Turkey may maybe gobble four or five times in that period of time. Yeah. Not much. And he just stood on a knob basically down above this Creek drumming in a, in a wide open area where, you know, he was visible to his hens, and it, the hens would drift away from him, but not far enough where he felt like they were leaving. Mm -hmm. They drift away, and as soon as you'd start calling, you'd see them hens. That one time I called aggressively, and them hens turned around off the ridge, and they ran to him in that bottom. Mm -hmm. And he just stayed in the same spot. All he did was drum. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, that's the most recent video, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I watched that one this morning, and it's like that classic deal of you call, and he gobbles once every, I don't know, looks like every three or four times you were calling to him, at least at the beginning, and then eventually you were just hanging with the drumming, like you said. And it's like, yeah, yeah definitely frustrating, especially when they get in the open bottom and there's multiple turkeys and you can't do anything to get closer. We were close. That 1 o'clock closure has saved some turkeys this week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like that's something that, you know, it's a good transition point into, you know, what can you do about that? And I mean, one of the things that we do a lot when possible is hunt all day, you know, just leave it alone and come back later. But in a state like, you know, where you guys are, where it's close at one, hundred other states where it's noon, like that can be super frustrating if you're dealing with that, you know, shut off pretty much the whole rest of the morning. And I feel, you know, there's pros and cons to it. I mean, if you like fishing, you know, close at one's pretty good. If you like, you know, hanging out at camp, close at one's pretty good. If you got to edit a video by tonight, close at one's good. But like, on the other hand, wanting to go hunting and not being able to is pretty frustrating too, especially because... In our experience, I would say that uh, one of our best tactics for hunting pressured turkeys that are being weird is to just go back and hit them at different times when the pressure's dropped off completely. Yeah, I feel like the best thing you can do is get something roosted if it's possible and then just be on them right <laughs> off the bat. <laughs> they zip. Yeah, looks like the short bus. He's <laughs> that's, pretty, that's accurate. <laughs> Yeah, I, they, there was two turkeys this week that we basically, that yesterday, Nick and Keith had one goblin and strutting and drumming just out of sight, and they had to quit at one. Mm -hmm. It's like 1 o'clock, so they turned around and left him. 
Now, granted, they went into that same spot today and killed one. Mm-hmm. And then me and Ted had to leave that bird the other day. Like, he was 50 yards away, just barely out of sight. We could see the hens. It was one of them situations where we got about as close as we could without burgering But if we had another two or three hours with him right there, where we're just in their bubble and we could slowly inch in and or just wait for him to kind of make a mistake or those hens drift off just a little bit and then a few light calls maybe brings him 30 yards closer to you and then you whack him. I mean, we've we've killed a bunch of them like that in the middle of the afternoon after one o'clock, but it was one. Mm-hmm. Like, well, our hands are tied. Obviously, you can't. And I don't know. I feel like at a noon or a one closure, I'm just way more aggressive. Like I got as soon as it's daylight in the morning, I almost have like this anxiety on me that we got to go, go, go. I mean, when this morning when that guy shot that turkey, I was like, we got to burn back to the car now. Uh-huh. We got to try to find one and we only have so long to do it. In the states where you can hunt all day, it's like, well, let's get some coffee and breakfast and mm-hmm. get back out around 10 or 11, you know, and then hang with them all day. And man, we have a lot of luck in the middle of the afternoon i think that one o'clock and that noon time saves a lot of turkeys yeah for sure and i it's funny because when i was a kid i didn't know any different we closed at noon the whole the whole season and then somewhere along the way i don't remember when they changed it but they changed it to where the second half of the season you could hunt all day and i remember those first few years it was kind of like what like what do you even you know i never could even dream of killing a turkey in the middle of the day or, you know, afternoon, evening. And it's, it is funny to think of my perspective, you know, as a college age or whatever it was, whenever that switched and we could start hunting all day later in the season and how I had just zero expectation of pulling that off. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get more experience in places you can hunt all day and you realize how beneficial it is. And it's not to say that, you know, gobbling, I think, if I could say something to myself back at that time frame, I would say, don't expect gobbling every single time to be as consistent as it is at first light when they're on the roost. But if you know where turkeys, you know, tend to hang out and you've been seeing them in an area or, you know, you just have some sort of pattern on a turkey in general, go hang out in those places and you never know what might happen if you got the time to do it. And I just think that you know, again, when I was younger, I just thought, well, they're not, you know, how often did I even hear a gobble past 11 o'clock and all the days that I'd hunted up to that point, it's like not very many compared to, you know, first light. So I think just having the confidence to go out and try it is, is important. If you want, <laughs> if you want to go fishing, go fishing. <laughs> yeah. I was talking, we, we were talking about this earlier too. I don't know if this is just my anecdotal, you know, I guess analyzation or whatever you would call it but i feel like in states where you can only hunt till noon or one you get a little better gobbling activity overall and maybe that's like i said maybe there's not a lot of truth to that but it would make sense on some areas if you can hunt the birds all day um and they're and they do get pressured in the afternoons and the evenings it would make sense that they would gobble less because they do, they, I mean, they definitely gobble less after they receive pressure in any other place, in any other sense. But when you got to be out of there at noon, I mean, they got seven hours of the day when they're unbothered and they just go right back to what they're doing. But like I said, I don't know that there may not be any truth to that. That just, I mean, they definitely aren't getting bumped around as much middle of the day, generally speaking. I mean, I know you still get mushroom hunters and hikers and stuff like that in some areas but you know yeah. in general they're not getting you know bumped off a ridge and flying to the next county middle of the day nearly as often mm-hmm. but i think it is interesting to going back to that like before i had hunted all day felt like noon was forever away we had all kinds of time and now i'm more like what you said earlier or where it's like you just never have enough time next thing you know it's like we're down to 20 minutes and it seems like that's so consistent. But when I was younger, 
I, I it didn't bother me at all because I had never hunted past noon. But the one story that always just cracks me up, probably one of my favorite turkey hunting memories, honestly, is the one that Keith crawled up to and shot literally one minute before the close a couple of years ago. Like that was that was such a funny moment. And I was just thinking about it the other day. I was thinking about Keith, how it was at the very end of the road, our very end of the road. It's like, we can't get any closer in our heads. It's like, we can't get any closer. And we also can't just pick up and walk out of here. Like we're going to just spook them. And I remember just being like, well, you got to do something. Keith. Like you got to try it. You just dove headfirst into the green briar and just crawled like just, I mean, one of the craziest experiences of a turkey just not caring about what was happening other than right in his immediate bubble. It was so crazy. I mean, Keith still made a good stock on it the last 10 yards that he needed to get, but the turkey was probably 40 yards away from us in our setup, and he would go behind this down tree, and Keith just dove into that green briar and just crawled every time he'd go behind that tree, just get a little closer. Literally shot him one minute before, and he made the decision probably, what, eight oh. minutes before Minutes, yeah. yeah, it was just hilarious. What an awesome, what an awesome memory. Redfield <laughs> one in Missouri public at twelve fifty nine. Yep, yeah. one minute before that was one that we struck off the road and yep. just got on with the call super hard and eventually broke and come up there. But I think that still is kind of the uh, tip, I guess, for close at noon or you know you got birds that are going quiet just Man. stick Run with it yeah mm -hmm. yeah it's like I mean, last year in illinois dude me you and hayden we hunted those turkeys all morning and they wouldn't break they would gobble occasionally and then we got on that ridge and the sun popped out and would we have like five minutes left yeah all of a sudden they're one over here on this ridge is powering that one that we've been hunting all morning is pow gobbling like crazy and it's like man we have 15 more minutes we could get over there and kill it. Oh, stuff. yeah. Well, that one, dude, remember that one went down the bottom and gobbled for like an hour, just nonstop. Yeah. Every two minutes he was gobbling. It's just like. We just we just sat there and listened yeah. to him. Like I unloaded my gun and we sat there for a little bit because he was in between us and the truck. It's like, well, we just got to let him do his thing and work off so we can get out of here without boogerty. Mm -hmm. Her brain's out. Well, yeah. that happens a lot, though, man. If you watch those videos and just think back to those states where they have the early closures, how many of them do you kill in that last hour? Mm -hmm. In Ohio last year, mm -hmm. killed that turkey eleven forty-five. Yeah. yeah, I feel like it happened quite a bit in Virginia a couple of years ago too. Mm -hmm. You and Hayden killed that one right at the buzzer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was a few three minutes, I think. Before yeah. that's also another hilarious hunt and that actually just popped up on my Snapchat memories because in that same general vicinity the year before Ben had missed one and then a year later Hayden had the whole gun misfired. <laughs> Do you remember that? When Hayden's gun didn't go off like two or three times in a row. Yeah. To just a perfect call in, like the turkey came in strut and had all kinds of cool footage of him and then Hayden's gun clicks and in in very Hayden fashion, he just goes click, and neither one of us flint and move at all. And a couple seconds goes by, and the turkey's still standing there with his, you know, just looking around, has no idea we're there. And Hayden just whispers to me, "My gun just misfired. Have you heard that or not?" And I was just like, "Yep, <laughs> like absolutely heard it. It just clicked right beside me." And then it's just like, just eject another one in as soon as you can, you know. And I don't really even remember. <laughs> yeah it just i think it did it twice though i think it misfired once misfired again and i think he missed him on the third shot as it was Did jared Sheffler have that happen to him and he yeah. actually racked another well, one and was, killed him that was because the dang gun wasn't shot oh, yeah. Yeah. and that's what that's happened to jake twice now well once was with jared the gun wasn't all the way closed semi-automatic and clicked and he racked another one and killed it and then just last year in iowa same thing happened. We had tons of turkeys, and one popped up 20 yards away, and his gun clicked, racked another one. They all take off. Well, luckily, they came back up, and then Jake killed the one. But, yeah, it's happened to us a few times. <laughs> uh, Brody wants us to give him a shout-out. Shout out. Brody, what's up? What up, Brody? <laughs> Sorry, man. Our lighting our lighting is uh, malfunctioning on us here. Yeah. Let me just try to get some on Nick's face so y'all can see him real good. 
<laughs> see him. He's mustacheless back here. Yeah. There you go, what, Keith. What the? <laughs> so, I guess. Do you guys have any other things that come to mind as far as like pros or cons for the end of the day? <laughs> Aiden says it was three times. Had to pick up one of the shells off the ground and try number four. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sorry, Zero, what'd you say? It's all good, Hayden, you know, buddy. That, that's a memory right there. Loved it. And then we strike one right where we had saw some strut marks on like on the way back, and it was just one of those days. You know, that's the thing with turkey hunting. You can be at your lowest point and turn around and in two minutes be at your, you know, having one come screaming down the gun barrel. It's just uh, funny not- Funny sport like that. The highest of highs and the lowest of lows. We might start slow, but we always come out on top. Isn't right? <laughs> right. I can tell you right now, this morning we were pretty dang low. We were just walking <laughs> out of there, boy. <laughs> and we're still right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I honestly couldn't wait. Well, I couldn't get to service fast enough so I could get Oh, I was down. I was down here, and then I got that picture. Yeah, there there. We, we it took, an, it took like, over an hour to get to service to be able to send that to y'all. We quit hunting pretty much after you sent that picture. Like, we were like, well, you know, we were – I was just motoring around everywhere in this thing, just stopping piling in the ditch and calling quick. It's like, oh, we got to hit another <laughs> spot. We got to hit another spot. And then we got that picture. It's like, oh, let's just go to camp. <laughs> <laughs> let's just go party. Yeah, yep. man. And party we did. Yeah. Heck yeah. Good time. Well, keep this in mind, too. No matter how low you get the rest of the season, just think, hey, you could be sitting at home doing your second round of PT for the day because you got a reconstructed ACL. So yeah. <laughs> I know that's true. It's true. De- definitely makes makes you appreciate the, the days that suck a little bit more because it's like, yep. mm, could that's be right. doing that. That's right. So is there... Anything else that comes to mind, benefits or good or bad that comes along with this, you know, ending middle of the day time frame? Well, well, the last thing I would I can think of is growing up in Missouri, where we had a one o'clock closure, we always roosted. Mm-hmm. We were always out there roosting birds, and then I, I when I started hunting down south with a lot of our buddies down here, and when they in states where you can hunt all day. A lot of them never fooled with roosting turkeys. A lot of them said, you know, I hunt them in the afternoons and in the evening sometimes, but I, I rarely roost. But, I mean, when you got a 1 o'clock closure and you're trying to get on those turkeys ASAP in the morning, really helps to roost. Or a noon closure. You know, that might put you... In PA a few years ago, I think we found 80% of the turkeys that we eventually hunted by roosting in the evenings that's a one o'clock closer that's a noon noon yeah we had to leave one that we had the same thing happen in pennsylvania me and jake we had to we had to leave him gobbling at noon and then we went back in there the next morning and killed him or i'm I'm assuming it's the same turkey but who knows but i think the other benefit of it is if you can see it this way at least is if you got the time you can still you know, cruise around, check different areas from the road. You can glass, you can listen. It's like, you don't, you don't necessarily have the ability to hunt, but you can still set yourself up, you know, just kind of do some of the homework type of stuff during that time frame and really focus on that versus, you know, being tempted to dive in somewhere, you know, you can even still, you know, just go mushroom hunting and look for turkey sign along the way. I mean, that's definitely something that we've done before in some of these other areas where you can't hunt all day. It's like you still can have an outdoor activity that helps you kind of scout away your way around. Like I mentioned fishing, like Keith, you know, back in the, you remember like the old turkey camp days in Ohio when we were younger, it's like we'd go fishing, we'd go look for groundhogs to shoot. And ultimately like, we're going around all these areas, you know, we're popping down to the river to go fishing or we're going to check a field for a groundhog. Inevitably, you know, you're kind of scouting your way around too. So it's like, you know, if you can just keep moving, I think that, you know, you can still do some homework and get a lot done and not be tempted to, you know, dive in and, and look for turkeys. You just do that different times yeah, and you that's can. What, 
that's what we did today for a little bit. We just drove around a different section of the public area that we're hunting and just looking at access, seeing if anybody's in there and looking in the fields and stuff like that. And we're probably going to go back there here in the next couple of days, I would say, and just check it out because it looked like a pretty good spot. It's kind of funny too. Like it feels like it's a cliche and it, I guess it is, but at this point, but until you really start driving around the lot yourself, it's hard to actually understand the value of that and how many details you can pick up on just from checking out areas from the road or the access points. And I think it's kind of the same, same along those same lines, I guess, as uh, just put doing the homework. Like if you do it, you're going to start to see a benefit of it. But anyway, got to just try. Never yep. know what you might find from the road, even if it's nothing but timber and thick. One might run across. <laughs> Hayden and I watched one run Fair. across the road. <laughs> What's that? Nothing. <laughs> Hayden and I watched one run across the road in front of us last year in the middle of the you know mountains where there wasn't an opening for miles and miles. Just Tom ran right across the road and we ended up shooting him the next morning. And it's like, you know, you never know. Keep your eyes peeled and stay optimistic. <laughs> Zach, here's something you might not know. It's it's a little warm in this car. And so we kind of periodically were cracking the windows, but it smells like a giant foot in there. <laughs> Wonder why. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> Did you I, see that he had his shoes on? No, I didn't know that. Uh, right yeah. I'm but Crocs. I mean Really I know gosh, we stink. Yeah, I mean, man. I know I stink. <laughs> oh, yeah. Depending on how long Keith has been in that exact location, he may actually have an entire <laughs> trash can at his feet, too. I've seen it. That's all I could say. <laughs> yeah. One time, one time we'd been hunting for however long. I have no idea. And all of a sudden, I, for the first time in, you know, a week or something, I get in the passenger seat and I'm like, what are you doing? Throw this away. <laughs> it was just like an entire pile of just rotten trash at the bottom of his feet. And it's like, no wonder it smells weird in here. There's a trash can in the back or trash bag at the back, son. Uh, You're on the road, man. Oh, that's awesome. You get pretty wild after a few days. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you read that? What? Ted can snatch a salmon going upstream with those eagle's claws. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right. You're getting long, boy. What do you got? <laughs> you got fingernails or what? Toenails. Oh, your toenails. Yeah. You got some you got some soot on the bottom of those feet. They're getting pretty gross. He's been out scratching and maybe it's McDonald's the last year, this garden hose they got out back. <laughs> Wash them babies off. Yeah. Hey, there's hey, there's nothing wrong with just a good foot scrub. Sometimes you gotta do it. You start getting that black, like true gel in there, jello or whatever, jam. Uh-huh. Son, you're just better off scrubbing that out. Yeah, Put it in a creek. Oh yeah, kind of smells. <laughs> there's a there's a whole segment in a video from West Virginia where I'm talking about how if you don't rub scrub your feet every once in a while, they they'll rot off and you'll end up with stubs. And I just watched that <laughs> recently. I was like, that's you forget about some of those things, but it's true. You got to scrub every once in a while. Makes sense, I reckon. So, do you guys want to talk about? You know, the more quiet communication of turkeys. Um, yeah. Yeah. You we know, got to experience something pretty cool the other day, I felt like. Whenever we were right up on that gobbler that had them hens. The first spot? Yeah. That's about that two mile, two and a half mile spot. Up the, road. <laughs> the gom? The gom. Yeah. Boy, it was a long way. We were tired people. But anyway. We got up tight to this gobbler that had had these hens all morning. We could hear him drumming just out of sight. We couldn't see the hens or hear the hens. And then, like, as we're creeping up there, we're getting ready to make, like, one last move to get right over the cap of the ridge where we can maybe get eyes on him and kill him. And then to my right, they yelped twice. And it was almost like a, just a, like that. That was it. And it's like, oh, crap, there's the hens. And as soon as they did that, you heard him 
you heard him drum and then here they came back across that bottom from our right heading towards it, drifting back to him and i'm just thinking like i'd called to that turkey so much and he gobbled five percent of the time maybe to the calling and i was cutting at him i was yelping at him i was soft calling to him i was jake yelping just throwing the kitchen sink you know i'm trying all different kinds of things because we set up on the thing half a dozen times but he's just they're they're almost in a different world when they're like that they're in like this hundred yard bubble world where they are close enough to see and hear him drumming and they're close enough to see and hear each other with that quiet those clucks because occasionally those hens would start clucking down there mm -hmm. almost like a turkey does when they get nervous except it's quieter mm -hmm. that's all they're doing is that they're just worried about the turkeys in that that small location they are not concerned about turkeys anywhere else yeah they're they, not calling to each other no. like or way out to try to pick one up from a, hundreds of yards away no and that like those hens you could just occasionally hear them with a little whine in there or a little single or double note yelp it was rarely anything more than that and a couple years ago when we killed that turkey in alabama uh that never gobbled that had all them hens me you and jake in the evening yeah, in the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he come into was just. Yeah, he didn't hardly make a sound. He didn't make right. a sound. And it was just called to him just barely loud enough that he could hear it. And you could see his reaction to it. You know, he would hear it and then he would pop strut and he would take a couple steps towards you. But they're not, they're, like you said, they're not concerned about calling to other turkeys. They're just concerned about what's going on in their little posse right there. And they're not always right with the hens. The hens could be, in this instance, the hens were at times 100 yards from the gobbler. But it was in such open woods, and he just put himself in a spot on the point of this little finger that went out in the middle of this bottom where he could just stand there and strut. He had no need, he did not need to gobble. Like, and until those hens start nesting, that's how they spend their day a lot of the time, all day long. Mm -hmm. Like those hens may go to the creek and feed a little bit. They may even go out to a nest and lay an egg, but then they're coming right back. And if he's got three or four of them, he's constantly busy. What needs to happen to get him to gobble a bunch is they need to go off and sit on a nest and not come back for like mm -hmm. an hour or so. Right. <clears throat> Or I just mean, get far enough away to start making him nervous. And then all of a sudden he's he's gobbling on his own. It's like, oh, that, that sucker's right. And that's when he'll go, you know, sometimes he'll go hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of yards to come mm -hmm. to. Yeah, right. The last time we saw the hens, they were just laying out. They had their wings out, just cooling off. They, were just, they weren't going anywhere. <laughs> so, I mean, they were just right there in that bubble the whole time. He's yeah. just up there pecking, strutting every once in a while. That's it. Mm -hmm. That hunt that I just mentioned where Keith made the crawl on the one shot him a minute before, you know, the close, that was an interesting one because he was gobbling and responding early in the morning, but by like 8.30 probably, there was a noticeable difference in his demeanor. He, we watched him, we actually had eyes on him a lot throughout that morning, but he, he was strutting. And then all of a sudden he just stopped strutting and they just all three of them, I think it was a Tom and two hens, and they just walked up and out of sight. And then from that point on, we just kept moving to where we would last see him and we'd catch eyes, you know, catch a glimpse of him strutting. And he never gobbled again. And we had got to a point too where we were so close. I mean, we were, like I said, 40, 45 yards from him and we're looking at him and we would call, we called, we called, we gobbled with the mouth call trying anything and he never one time even flinched i mean he never picked his head up nothing and the hens really didn't either like the hens i think eventually started just meow, 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 meow. but that was about it did he never gobble on his own in that morning i thought he did like at least once i feel like i remember one time like the hens just they didn't get far from him but i feel like i remember one time when they were just drifting maybe once and it, i feel like i have a memory that was pretty weird that was like man that was like it's one of the only times he gobbled through that morning it was late it was pretty yeah. late but he hadn't gobbled in hours and he did once and it was super quiet yeah it was like oh, they must have just gotten far enough away where he's just like hey 
Like, get back. Can't really see you through this stuff. Like, the, it was pretty thick green briar around that ridge and treetops and stuff. That's actually another thing that, you know, you, you may observe at some point or another is, like, the quiet gobble. Um, oh, yeah. That was one example. And another example was we were hunting in Wisconsin, and it was Whitney and Bruce and I in a setup, and we're literally looking at these turkeys 50 yards down the hill and watched one of them go out and gobble, couldn't even hear it. And it wasn't, I, I think maybe it was a little windy, but it was nothing crazy. Like, it was startling that you couldn't hear that thing. Where other Jake times, talks about that a lot. He thinks that, and I think there's some validity to that. He thinks they can control the volume. Just like a hen can control her volume when they're yelping. Mm -hmm. they got, I mean, it's the same thing that's making the sound, you know, yeah. inside their body yeah. or their head. Mm -hmm. There's no reason why they couldn't control the volume of their gobble. Remember that <laughs> weird uh, noise that one made in New York back? I don't know what kind of gobble that was, but it was a totally different noise. Like, yeah. Out of Tom. That, like, that's one of those deals yeah. that, like, I think only you and I really know, like, because I've showed that to people and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's like, <laughs> whatever that, like, you can hear it because you heard it in real life, but it's funny because I, in the moment, I'm like, what was that? <laughs> but it's like he, it's almost like he choked on it and it, like, went to nothing. It was like, yeah. It was a strange one, man. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I believe it because we talk about it with elk too. You know, elk will change the volume of their bugle a lot. And uh, you'd think that be the same for turkeys. And I always think too, like you think about that turkey that's alone. He goes way up high on the ridge and he casts his gob and he's just ripping. And it's like you can hear that turkey from like a mile away. And it's like, maybe he really is just ramping that volume up versus, you know, he's down in a little hole where everybody's close to him and he just lets out a little one to just be like, hey, let's get back together here. Kind of like what you were saying, Keith, about that one that we kept moving in on. They'll trick you when they're like that because, it, you know, you hear a gobble and then you subconsciously think, okay, he's 300 yards or he's 500 yards or he's 700. There's so much, many other things that go to into that distance. Mm -hmm. That and that's one of them is the volume. If they're with hens too, and like you said, if they're just trying to call to those hens or turkeys that are close by, they have no need to really belt one out. I mean, mm -hmm. just like heard yesterday, that last gobble that we got on camera. I mean, that had to be one of those softer gobbles yeah. because we we were in range to be able to. Yeah, that was. We were in range to be able to hear this bird drumming. And uh, and then we didn't even hear the gobble, you know, as it happened. We Keith heard it, you know, going back through the footage earlier, and and he said, "Hey, that bird actually gobbled back one more time," and we had no idea. And it, I mean, we had to be inside a hundred yards, so yeah, a little that was pretty interesting. I, a little yeah, bit I of my life. I didn't remember it, and I was watching back through that footage, and it was just like, "Hey, that's a gobble right there," and neither of us reacted. <laughs> it was kind yeah. of funny, <laughs> but Dude. so. Between yesterday and today, we got to see both sides of the spectrum uh, from the same flock of turkeys of the super soft, not making a whole lot of noise, you know. And then today was, I mean, just chaos. And uh, maybe that's just a testament to the amount of pressure that might have been on them for them to kind of be able to flip that switch mm -hmm. like that. It's interesting, yeah. too. I mean, it's kind of off topic, but just how one day, you know, the weather can be slightly different and there's barely any gobbling activity and then it's like all of a sudden the weather breaks and something's just enough you know better for them i guess that all of a sudden you hear you know, twice the amount that you heard the day before the last five days for that matter and it's always just a funny deal where you may think you're hunting like a turkey and then all of a sudden the weather hits right and it's just that ideal day it's like well they're everywhere in here a turkey in a proper a hunting property with turkeys will change much like deer kind of like mm -hmm. every week it'll change those turkeys that we're hunting right now that got three four five hens you leave them alone for a few days and go back in there in a week that turkey might be dead he might be spooked or he might be alone and belting them out on top of one of those ridges ready to die i mean we did that in alabama a couple years ago we hunted the same spot for three days in a row Every morning, turkey was in there and gobbled like five, six times, flew down nothing. And then me and Jake went in there that last morning, and the turkey that was there, whether it was him or not, gobbled like hundreds of times and came in and died. I mean, you just never know when that's when they're going to break loose. It's 
all about them hens, man. When they go down, when they go lay on them eggs, boy. Mm-hmm. I got an f- interesting story that maybe would would tell a lot about pressure and what how quickly it can change a turkey. Keith, this involves you. We were hunting that ridge, pouring rain, 2018, I think. And we get up there, and it's, I mean, it's just miserable. Like one of the worst days you could ever dream of. Call down into a valley, and the turkey gobbles. It's like, oh, well, that's sweet. And we didn't have much time because it was close at noon. Call again. Bird gobbles, and he's way closer. Now we can tell there's two of them. Well, this is back when we were still using decoys. We put a decoy up in the middle of the open trail, go back and set up off the decoy, call again. Here they come. They're way closer yet again. It's like, okay, they're going to be here in seconds. They come in. Keith shoots one of them, and we get footage of both of them. Turkey goes down. Other one runs off, whatever. We don't think much of it. A few days later, I go back with Ben and... We get on a turkey a good ways from that, but same general vicinity, but a decent ways. I mean, maybe even like a half mile, you know, and uh, call the turkey right in. But we have the decoy, same decoy that Keith had just shot the turkey off of. Well, we come to find out later after reviewing all the footage that this is, in fact, his buddy of the one that Keith shot. Well, this thing comes in, sees a decoy, putts, and is out. And he kept gobbling, and we kept hanging with him, but it was apparent that we needed to stop using the, the decoy. And I think we went home, saw the footage of his tail fan. He had a broken feather, so we could tell, you know, it was the same, same feather broken. It's like, that's definitely the same turkey. Well, the next day, I think it was the next day after that, we went into that same area, and he started gobbling. <laughs> And that turkey gobbled nonstop, but he was doing that thing where he would just keep moving away. And then he found this little weird spot where he would gobble. And he, I mean, how many times do you think he gobbled that morning, Keith? Just hundreds. And we just eventually, you know, had to crawl in there because he wasn't, wasn't committing to a call, but he would gobble to it, but he never moved from that spot. And I just think that's a good example of how, much a turkey can just on a dime completely act different. You know, here he had come sprinting in in the pouring rain on the first day, and his buddy gets shot, and he's like, I'm not doing anything ever again other than get in my safe spot and stay there and let him come to me. So, anyway. What kind of questions we got, Zinger? We got to go roost here in a few minutes. All right, we'll just go, we'll go through them here. Um, Braden asked, does pressure affect the amount of times they gobble? I'd say absolutely. I think it's actually confirmed science at this point that Mm -hmm. it does. Like the goblin activity drops way off on the heavily hunted sites that the research is. And like even the stuff that they're doing in Alabama with the song meters that we helped fund a few years ago, they're seeing the same thing. Heavily hunted sites, gobbling starts off high, then the birds get slammed and gobbling trails off yeah we got videos if you search turkey research or anything along those lines in our uh, main channel you'll see videos where we talk about that specifically Um, ty asks if you locate a lot of sign but it's close to a parking lot or easy access do you hunt it or do you go to harder to access areas I mean, if it's fresh, probably hunt it. <laughs> I mean, they're probably coming back there, be my guess. They're going to be in close proximity to that. Yeah, but it depends on the time of the year, too. Like, mm-hmm. you could, with turkeys, it's kind of tricky because we were talking about sign last night. Henry was asking me about the best kind of turkey sign to find or whatever. And we love finding fresh sign above all else. But if a turkey's already been killed out of there, then you might be finding hen sign and jake sign for example like if you find fresh scratching later in the season there may not be a long beard in there anymore mm-hmm. you might be dead or spooked yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you find a fresh gobbler track near fresh scratching money no matter yeah. where it is whether it's close to the access or not a gobbler track is as good as a gobble yep that's right 
All right, Last Chance asks, where's Nick's mustache? Did it fall off? It's yeah, coming back. It, it just jumped off my face <laughs> the other day back in Texas and run away from me. First name last. Is that better? <laughs> uh, He's got trouble coming in. Tim asks, is there an entry-level mouth call just to learn how to fit it in my mouth properly and you know, make the basic sounds. I would, I would say that's, a, I mean, they're, they're all a little different. I don't know if there's necessarily a beginner call. I don't the know, Warb, you know I better got, about that. I got was uh, just a straight V cut from Woodhaven. And that one was the first one that I felt like I could make some good sound off of. Some of the double reeds would be easier to <laughs> blow right off hand. And like the reeds that are made and uh, that our calls are made with in our three pack, uh, there's a bunch of light prof reeds in there that are just easier to blow in general. So those would be good. Um, yeah. But the main thing, if you're just starting out is just to get a bunch of different mouth calls. Like yeah. in, like if you can get five, six different ones, regardless of which cut or whatever, which brand, just get them and try them. And you'll start to, once they get broke into, they'll get easier to blow. Yep. Braden asks, are morning or afternoon hunts better for pressured birds? Well, that just depends. But, I don't know, right off the top of my head, I always think, well, if you can get tight to them, you know, and get to them before they shut down, if that's the tendency you're seeing, you know, mornings can be better. But at the same time, if they're getting pressured and then people fall off, you know, and, and go home middle of the day, middle of the day can be better. So that's, you know, just keep trying till you, till you run out of time and then try again tomorrow. <laughs> uh, Tommy asks, um, are y'all hunting Merriam's this year? Any tips for hunting Merriam's as opposed to Eastern's terrain features to look for? I probably will in Colorado, but I don't know if you guys are going to at all or not. I don't know yet. We might. We've hunted them a lot. We love hunting them. Probably one of our favorite things to do is go out west and hunt Miriam's, I would say. Trying not to speak for everybody there. Yeah, I'd love I'd love to go hunt them again this year. I don't know if we're going to. I have no idea. Well, hey, I'll, I will be, so you know, just keep that in mind. Um, as far as like tips for them, they're going to move and do some stuff that you wouldn't even believe a turkey will do. I just think there's, you know, there's days with Merriam's that, in every turkey, but seems especially uh, prevalent with Merriam's that they just do something that makes you feel like, oh, you know, that was as good as it gets. That was pretty straightforward. You call them in from longer distance or whatever, but then they also do the things where it makes you just scratch your head. Like, how did a turkey even get there that fast? Like, how did he go up and over that mountain that fast? So mm -hmm. I think don't uh, underestimate them. <laughs> That'd be my biggest tip. A turkey's a turkey. Yeah, he may come go gobbling to the gun barrel, but he might also just, you know, frustrate the heck out of you. You guys have anything to add to that? I would say having some sort of loud mm -hmm. locator call or like a loud turkey call that you can cast out a long ways because you're going to be in some big country out there probably to be able to just strike one get good at coyote howling <laughs> yeah that works pretty good seems like tom asks how's the healing going i'm doing a lot better like today i'd say is my best day and that's kind of been the case every day it's like a little bit better a little bit better um i mean still chipping away at it and <laughs> i actually yeah it's going to be a year before I'm technical 100%, but, you know, you can do a lot of things at 50%, 80%. I'm walking now. I'm I'm able to go up steps. I'm doing step-ups as PT. I'm doing some squats as PT. It's getting, it's getting serious now, but I still don't have the clear to, like, walk on hills, so I'm still hanging loose on turkey hunting, just being patient until I get the clear. I think I got another week or two before – that's the case, so we'll see. I'm just trying to get the clear before I push it too much because I know I will. <laughs> Tyler asks, done a little turkey hunting 
but I've never heard a long beard drum. Can you explain what that sounds like, please? Can you do it? Give it to him, Nick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you hear that, Zinger? Uh, I heard that. I I mean, I would say get some earbuds and watch. We got a video that's got it in it. Yeah. Several. Just put earbuds in and watch that, and you'll be able to hear it. Yeah, don't watch it on your TV unless you got surround sound or something, or earbud- yeah. earbuds or like those headphones you got, Keith. You'll be able to hear it in there. Something's got a little bit of bass in it. Catman just posted a video of a turkey drumming straight up on his i think it was on his instagram yeah just yesterday the way zach you explained it to me years back was is like i feel like it made a lot of sense to me it's like the sound you hear when there's a distant plane and you can't tell like even where the plane is even coming from but it's just like that like you feel it more than you hear it it's just like a sound that's like you don't even really know you're hearing it until it's like done and it's like wait that's what that's what that was (laughs) yeah Yeah, and Unfortunately, it seems that some people can't hear it. I I don't think my dad can hear it. Can't hear it. They've yeah. never heard it. Jim says he can't hear it. Jim Riser. Yeah. I'm so sorry, y'all. That can't. I truly <laughs> am. I like that better than a gobble. I really do. You hear oh, that drum in it point blank? You know it's You're like freaking out. Safety's <laughs> fixing to come off. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Connor asks, how much pressure does it take for a turkey to feel distressed in that area? Barely any pressure where I'm at because we close at noon, second year going out, any tips about pressure in turkeys? Well, at about 10 pressures, they start to really feel distressed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. I don't know how to measure that, but I mean. Either, but if you got some areas (laughs) that close for a period of time, like days, not not time wise, uh, or like a private property that you, if you go in and hunt, like up at the farm, if we go in there and we hunt, and a couple of the birds booger, and then we go and we leave and we come back like a week and a half, two weeks later, it's fine. Mm-hmm. They're still doing their thing. They're still acting all right. So I don't really know like the exact number of days, but that continuous day after day after day pressure, it just is like a Think of it like a steady declining bar graph. Mm-hmm. It's like you're putting more and more and more on these things every single day, and they're having to survive that yeah. and adjust them their patterns along the way. So if you don't you don't find the hole that they've went to to evade that pressure, then you have to figure out what tactics they're using to survive and then exploit them. Mm-hmm. Which which way are they going when they fly down off the roost? Is there a little section of woods back in there that that's all scratched up that he likes to go to and gobble in the mornings. And has he done that for two or three mornings in a row? And can you beat him there? You know, there's it's just a wrench that is thrown into the things, especially with pressured turkeys. That's hard to deal with, but I, I don't know if about how many, how much. I mean, when guys go in there and they start killing, like you said earlier, Zinger, that example where the two came in and you shot the one, mm-hmm. like that was enough right there to mess him up for a number of days. You know, maybe at the very end of the season, it's different for him and he'll come screaming back into a call. I I don't really know, but it definitely messes with him. Yeah. And I think every property is a little different too, along the lines of, of pressure you know some areas people get to all corners of that property every day and then there's some places where people are maybe hunting it every day but they're not getting to every corner of it every day if that makes sense so you have to treat that spot a little bit differently or each of those spots differently and i'd say a general rule that i like to think of no matter what species i'm hunting if it's deer turkey elk whatever just try to think about the patterns that the majority of hunters are doing and try to think outside of that box. Try to take note of what everybody's doing. And generally, you'll see a trend. And that that, that has helped me for sure. Um, All right. We got a few more? Yeah. Um, then we got to burn out. I mean, we got a bull. Mm-hmm. We got to go. We got to roost, be roosting in 25 Woo! minutes. If oh, here's a good one. Here's a good one. I won't, I'll, I'll just dive right directly into this. What do y'all recommend 
us diehard whitetail hunters who can't get excited for longbirds. What do you do during the spring? Well, I just truly believe that if you really love hunting whitetails and you can find a way to love turkey hunting as well, because every form of hunting is going to help you become a better hunter for other species. If you get better at turkey hunting, you're going to get better at deer hunting. So try to think of it that way. Or ignore me completely and go fishing. I don't know what you want to do in the spring. Go watch a baseball game or something. Go golfing. I don't know. I don't want to do any of that, but enjoy turkey hunting. You know, you can really improve your skill set as a deer hunter if you do that. Learn to love it. <laughs> what? You learn to love it. Just learn to love it. All right. I think, uh, yeah, there's some people I also ask about what happened to me. I'm uh, rehabbing a re ACL reconstruction, tore my ACL skiing. That's why I have not been turkey hunting yet this season. So we'll be back sooner than later. All right. Well, I, I just want to watch this video. So we'll wrap I'm it up. I'm getting ready guys. to hit publish as soon as, as soon as we get off of here. We're going to hit publish and go to the woods. Yeah. So everybody that is listening now, go check out the new video. You guys roost a bird. It <laughs> I'm going to go do some PT, it, eat dinner. It, it's live right now. Oh, it's Sick. up. Y'all check it out. All right, I'm going to leave a nasty comment. See you guys later. <laughs> See you, brother. <laughs>